Hello, folks. Uh, welcome to Locathor's audio-only Let's Plays, the show where we play Let's Plays in an audio-only way. Um, so, today we're doing Planescape Torment, and last time we did Planescape Torment, uh, we were on the road to joining the Dustmen. Uh, we were told to go handle a little bit of a side quest, and then we'd join, and then we'd uh, there's like three people that we have to please, and, um, yeah, there's three people that we have to please, and we have pleased one of them? No, we've pleased zero of them. One of the people that we had to, uh, please actually had a side quest, and we did a different quest for them that's not related to joining the Dustman. So, I got a little bit of ways to go, but... I remembered what the problem was and why we couldn't talk to Dakon about um, about the thing that I wanted to talk to Dakon about. Uh, he had that unbroken circle of Zerthamon. That's his spell book. Well, we can ask him about it, but we have to be a mage first. And also, to go through the entire conversation, we have to have 19 in both intelligence and wisdom to get all the way through the final level of it. Now, we could do this eventually because you can get additional, in addition to your level up stat points, there are events in game that can increase your stats. And there's like tattoos that you can get and then they go in the tattoo slot and they will uh, increase your stats and stuff like that. So it's not impossible for us to get this 1919 that we want to talk about, that we want to have, so that we can talk to Dakon. But that's way later in the game. So I just used the save game editor to set our stats to 1919 um, so that we can do this conversation. Because I want to do the conversation with Dakon. I think it's a really cool piece of content, and I would rather present that to the cast and do a little bit of save game cheatery then do it in a fully legitimate way and have the cool stuff come later on. Might as well do the cool stuff now. So, with our uh, Intelligence 19, Wisdom 19, and, and I'll, I'll set it back after um, afterward. Hey, we're being watched, Chief. Just oh. look natural. Oh. Uh, casual. Oh, okay, Mort. Good, good for watching about who's watching us. All right. So, Nameless One, first we're going to, uh, dialogue to Dakon. What is your will? Dakon turns to you. His eyes like polished coal. His blade mirrors his eyes for a moment as you address him. Then he nods. What is your will? There are things I would know, Dakon. I will hear you. Um, let's see... Let's see, can you talk to me about your teachings? Dakon waits. Can you teach me anything of the art, Dakon? Know that I am not a teacher in this, but know that I may serve as a guide. I do not know how humans come to be versed in the art, but when you learn the art, return and ask again. Uh, I'll ask when I'm a mage then. In the meantime, I had some other questions and said, oh! He can't switch. He can't switch us back and forth between uh, being a mage. Oh my gosh! I was hoping that he would let us become a mage. Um. Oh, I feel dumb. All right. Uh. Uh, there, is a, there is a woman who can teach us to become a mage if we wander off to another portion of the game. Um, let's go to the world map. If we go to Rat Picker Square. Yeah, so from where we were outside the mortuary, we go west. Done. And then we go north. Um... And then this takes us to a place called Rat Picker right. Square. 
Um, which... Ah, here we go. There's a hut. The midwife's hut. Let's talk to old Mebeth. Old Mebeth. This squat old woman looks like she has had all the color bled out of her. Everything from her hair to her shawl to her robe are all shades of gray. The only splotches of color in her come from several strange herbs, which are tied to her belt by their stalks. The herbs make a strange swish when she moves, like a broom. Greetings. Ah, I accidentally clicked ignore the woman. Greetings. There we go. The elderly woman turns and stares at you, and you notice the gray... Ooh, let's... Ah, I guess music is a little... A little heavy, so we're going to turn it down just a hair. Uh, the elderly woman turns and stares at you, and you notice the gray shades blanketing her body extend to her features as well. Her hair is a wispy gray, and her eyes are like chips of granite. She frowns when she sees you. And who might you be, hmm? Uh, I can say a few options. Let's see. I don't really know who I am. So ye not know yourself, child? She squints and points at your chest. Hard to piece together the man beneath all that tracery and scrawling scars, is it? Uh, maybe. Who are you? With a sly cackle, she wags her eyebrows. Have ye not heard of old Mebethen, the midwife of the square? Have ye not now? She narrows her eyes, and then her voice drops. Well, now ye have, for I be Mebeth. You're a midwife. My journal. What do you do? I set bones right. Drive the cough out of the sick, yank out squealing stubborn babies, men cloaks or a rag or two, make cures and herbs and other such. She squints at you, studying your scars. Be needing a cure of three, do you then? Uh, cures? Aye, you be needing some cures to look ya. Do you want to buy some, do ye? She glanced at the scars covering your body again, then shrugs. Too late to be asking for them, I think. Um, let's see. Um, so she's offering to heal us right away, or we can buy stuff for later, or we can rest overnight, and then we'll say, not at the moment, I have questions for you. Go on and ask, then. Do you know someone named Farad? Ooh, we, we always want to ask about Farad. Farad, that, that, pa! You watch as Mabeth spits once, twice, three times, then follows it by making a semicircle over her heart. That guilt hurt. What you be wanting with the likes of him? I need to find him. Do you know where he is? He's not in Ragpicker Square. That much I can tell ye. You need to find a way under the square to get to the third spider's kip. She spits again. Even talking about him leaves a foul taste in my mouth it does. He's under the square? She jabs her finger at the floor. Aye, he's buried beneath these piles of trash. Him and his boys. And a tough time ye'd have digging him out of the nest. She shakes her head. Let be, let be, child. Uh, I need to find him. Journey. How do I get down there? Mebeth frowns and sighs. Here tell Farad's got a gate that leads to his nest somewhere here in the square. It's just a matter of finding it. You might want to ask some of the others. Some who travel a bit more in old Mebeth. I see. I had other questions. So that's good to know. There's some sort of gate that can get us down to Farad. Uh... Are you a witch, Mebeth? Mebeth scrutinizes you. I say not as to what I am and isn't. What you be wanting to know, so fool bad, for that ye hound an old woman barking and stiffened for a juicy bit of gossip. I want to learn magic. Could you teach me? Mebeth laughs. Pah! I'm no teacher. No schoolmistress all set up to teach like them big fest hall. There's some others somewhere, I'm sure, that spill the dark of it. You'd be wasting your time with old Mebeth, so you would. I don't agree. I think you have a lot to teach. Mebeth looks at you in intently. Oh, I... Why do you want to learn such things? Um, let's see. I have I have several options. Truth, because I just want to know. Truth, because I may need it to solve the mystery of who I am. And truth, because I need power. There are some other options where I don't tell her anything. But I'm going to say truth, because I may need it to solve the mystery of who I am. After a moment, Mebeth nods. The art may help, it may not. And ye must not rely on it to solve all your problems. She sighs. Child, it's most like only going to add another chip on your pile of questions. I understand. Will you teach me? Pa! Mebeth shakes her head. One should make songs rather than make magic. 
Songs have more beauty. Magic's been made dull, commonplace, soiled by the mob of people that have tromped through it. Hmph. She squints at you. I'll teach ye. But first you'll need to do some things for me, you hear? Like what? My legs aren't good for walking about Sigil, and there's errands I'd have ye run. I need ye to fetch me some herbs from the market. It's spireward, easterly, and southerly from here, in the hive market. There's a sample. She takes a black seed from her coat and flicks it at you. Updated Examine the seed. Journal. You twist the black seed in your hand. As you do, you feel a small bite, then a small drop of blood oozes from your thumb. There are tiny barbs on the seed, like teeth. Mavis snorts. Careful with it. Show it to one of the fruit merchants in the market, and they will know what herbs you seek. Very well, then. I'll return when I have the herbs. All right. So we have to help out Mebeth before she will help us, which is fair. Uh, right. So from Ragpicker Square, we dash back to, it's called the northernmost part of the hive. Uh, let's see. I kind of remember. I think we want to go to the southwestern oh, no. portion of the hive. I think that's where the market is. Um, it's pretty easy to cover these maps and get to the next one if this is the wrong portion. Ah, here we are. We just got to go into the marketplace and then we will uh, hold tab. Uh, ooh! We got a bunch of hive merchants to pick from. Let's just click on the nearest one. Jump, Lim Lim, jump! The merchant seems to suddenly notice you. Oh, greetings! Would you like to purchase one of these playful, gambooling Lim Limbs, Millard? Uh, not yet. Just what are these Lim Limbs? They are from the Outlands, Millard. Neither holy insect nor animal. They are friendly, playful, and quite loyal. He takes a sidelong glance at the Lim Limbs, then leans close to whisper. Pretty tasty, too, in a pinch. Interesting. I had some other questions. The only questions I'll answer, I'm afraid, are about the Lim Limbs, Millard. Farewell, then. Let's try a different hive merchant. This attractive young woman is smiling and beckoning to all passerby. She calls out the virtues of her goods. Plates, jugs, cups, tankards. Drink from the goblet of the finest lords. Upon seeing you, she waves you over as if you were her unacquaintance. Uh, may I see what you're selling here? I sell plates, cups, jugs, tankards, cutlery, and the like, sir. All quality, sir. The finest. She steps back and lifts the lids of the crate on the wagon behind her. Please look over my goods. Should they have any questions, feel free to ask. Uh, step closer, examine the contents of the crates. You peer into the crate. It's full of plates, cups, jugs, tankards, cutlery, and the like. They look to be of the varying degrees of quality, but some of it appears quite nice. As you're looking them over, she presses up against you. See anything you like, sir? Hmm? Her long, waving hair brushing against her shoulder smells faintly sweet, like vanilla. Uh, there's nothing I need here, but I had some questions. Oh, sir, but wait! She puts her hand on your forearm. Her touch is light as a feather. Are you sure there's nothing you need? Surely something from your own home, uh, for your own home, or a gift? She bites her lip coyly, cocking her head slightly. Uh, no, nothing I need. My questions... She looks so sad, you're nearly stricken with guilt. Slowly she lowers the lid of the crate. Sorry, sir, I have no time for questions. I must sell what I can before the day is done, for my family is large and hungry. I understand. Farewell. All right, so we got to find a different hive merchant. Uh, how about this guy? It says hive merchant. The seedy looking fellow is quick to spot you looking at him. Aye, Basha, get over here. Come see what I got for you. He winks and waves you over. What do you have to offer me? <gasps> hey! So... He's selling charms and a whispering flask and a scroll of luck and a scroll of blur. Uh, meanwhile, let's see if we can sell... We can sell the ancient copper earring, the iron pry bar, the charcoal charm, the hammer, the corpse fly charm, the wooden club, uh, left arm of number 985, the runes will keep the Tome of Bone and Ash we're going to sell. Uh, we'll sell that for now. It clears out a little bit of stuff. There's a Rusty Dagger, two Copper Earrings. The Bone Charm will keep. Some Scrolls, let's keep that. A Magus Guard. Um, we'll hold on to the Magus Guard. We'll sell off the Rusty Dagger and the two Copper Earrings. 
All right. Uh, oh, interesting. It says in the top, it says the characters weight eight out of 50, but it also says their slots three out of 20. All right. I think, oh, let's sell the second copper earring. I think we sold uh, just about as much as we can usefully sell. Uh, well, hmm. Let's try one of these named people. Profira. This grim-looking woman spares only a brief glance before returning to her rants on top of the stage. She's a powerful voice and carries across the marketplace, even cutting through the noise made by the merchants and their crowning foot traffic. Well, let's leave her alone. Try Gauha. You see a thin, yellow-skinned humanoid covered with a variety of dazzling tattoos. His eyebrows have been accented with black charcoal lines, and his teeth are filed to points. He sees you and waves you over, rattling his dice in his hand. Greetings. He's about to speak. When, with, when, sorry. He is about to speak when his eyes, shiny and black, like orbs of jet, fall upon Dakon. The two of them stare simply at one another for a moment before the tattooed Gazerai's gaze returns to you. His voice is low and raspy. Gauha greets you. You have come to play a game, yes? No, but I had some questions. Gauha's smiles fade for an smile. Gauha's smile fades for an instant. He shakes his head. No interesting questions have I, only the game. The turning of the die. The glint of coin, won or lost, yes? He shakes the bone dice in his palm. You have no interest in these things? All right, I'll play. Gaha reaches into his tunic and pulls out a coin. This coin, your coin. He places it at your feet and pulls out another. This coin, Gaha's. He places it at his own feet and holds up two dice between his thumb and index finger. The dice, we both roll one, yes? Go on. You roll higher. Both coins. He snatches the coin up from the ground and proffers them to you. Yours. Gauha roll higher? He quickly tucks the copper back into his tunic. Mine. Neither rolls higher? The coin stays for another roll. So how much coin will lie at your feet? Uh, we'll do one copper common. You both roll the die until Gauha, until Gauha rolls higher. He snatches up your coins, tucking them into his tunic. He seems to hesitate a moment, then speaks. Again, yes? Wait, is something wrong? Gauha regards you closely for a moment and nods. Never do I indulge in Hashma's folly. Never do I cheat, human. But I see fortune, read it. Know it in the face of a man. However, you... In you I see nothing. I know nothing. You have no luck? No fortune? Neither good or ill? Will you make your own? Perhaps I do not know. He places his dice back into his tunic. We might play later, perhaps, but no more this moment. All right, farewell. That was interesting, and also, we haven't gotten any closer to buying to a seed seller. Reekwind. This man is looking at you with a strange bug-eyed stare. His eyes are huge, so huge they look ready to pop out of his sockets and roll across the cobblestones. He nods eagerly as you approach, bobbing his head like a bird. As you near him, you suddenly notice the smell of urine and feces surrounding him. Uh, greetings. The man sniffles, wiping his nose with his sleeve, then opens his mouth to reveal blackened, rotted gums. Stories for coins, sirrah! His breath reeks. It smells like this man has been keeping rotten meat stored inside his mouth. Stories for coin! Who are you? The man snorts, stick with phlegm. Names, names, who you are, who you are. His head does a slight twitch every time he repeats himself. Names! Dangerous! Dangerous! He glances at the ground and stirs the dirt with his foot. Dangerous? Knowing a names are being struck with one, both's a mess of trouble. He looks back at you. My name's a given name, not one asked for. Reekwind. Once again, you become conscious of this reeking breath and the smell of urine and feces that surrounds him. A given name! A given name! Is that your real name? Not my true name, true name. Requin mumbles on, his head twitching every time he says name. A true name's a dangerous thing. Gives others powers. He stares at you with his huge eyes and wags his finger. Keep your name secret. Keep it close. Never let it out. What do you mean? Names are like smells. Things can track you with them. Requin coughs, his eyes almost popping out of his skull as he does so. His cough seems to loosen his bowels, for he breaks wind loudly, as if to accentuate his point. If someone knows a true name, it gives them power. He licks his lips. The power to hurt. I don't know my Updated true name. my journal. 
Requin's eyes widen. Seeing his eyeballs bulge even larger makes you uneasy. Then you are blessed, blessed. Remain nameless, and you shall be a spirit on the plains, untraceable, untrackable, unseen, undiscovered. He smacks his gums wetly. A name chosen, a name given. It allows others to find you and hurt you. Have you been hurt? Requin gives a twitching nod, then scratches himself. Let my name slip once, once, only once, only once. Yeah, his eyes fill over as if the memory is painful, then glances at you uneasily. Tell you the story I can, I will, but three coppers I must see. His face splits into a smile as he says the word coppers, and his reeking breath hits you like a hammer. Uh, well, we have 1,294 coppers, according to this. So we'll say very well, here's three coppers. Requin gets into a stance, looks left, looks right, then faces you. His face clenches. Then with a grunt, he breaks wind again. The smell nearly levels you, but he takes no notice. Cursed I walked the wards in splendor. He stands up stiffly, nose high in the air. He saunters back and forth, nodding to invisible passerby. Uh, we continue journal. to listen. Requin freezes, his arms akimbo. Crossed paths with a crossed one. Had the looking of a pumpkin, his seeds, curses. Requentin thrusts his belly out, so as to appear fat. Slicks back his hair with his filthy palms, so he looks almost bald, and begins drumming his fingers on his fat belly. Then he walks about, circling the spot where his stuffy upper-class persona used to be. All a jumble of curses this one was. With a sneer and a careless gesture, Requent tosses an invisible curse at the stuffy persona. Uh, listen. <clears throat> Knew my name, let it slip I had, I had all it took, took it all! He stiffens up again, inhaling deeply and resuming his upper-class persona. The persona suddenly crumples, and Requin breaks and wind violently, then exhales, filling the air with his foul, reeking breath. Cursed with stenches, smell, excrement. Came here to tell tales, all good for... All good now. Now Requind is the name, given name, given name. I see... I had some other questions. Questions, questions, Requin hunches over, regarding you warily with his huge eyes. Answers, answers? Um, let's see, can you tell me about this area? The hive, the hive, a tale I can tell, a tale I can tell. I will, but three coppers I must see. Not today, farewell. All right. There's gotta be... Uh, okay, this person's named Giscoral. You see a spindly-looking merchant with a brush of gray and red stubble across his chin. He wears several layers of brightly colored robes, so much so that he looks like a flag with arms and legs. He is shaking slightly as you watch. Greetings. I, Giscoral. He bows and spreads his trembling hands. As he does, you notice his hands and forearms are a twisted mass of black scar tissue, as if they were once badly burned. Uh, what are you selling? Giscoral by cloth. Giscoral's voice ticks like a clock, flat and measured. Giscoral sell cloth, washcloth, men cloth, and... He gestures at his layers of clothing with his shaking hands. Wear cloth. Can I see what you have? So he has rags, bandages, needle, and thread. Uh, done. Uh, I think this is all the hive merchants in the air. Oh, wait, we got one last. Kosagi. The toothless old crone reeks of fishes and brine. Oh, that's not good. Spying your approach, she gives you a wide pink smile. Fish, my child? Fish heads, mayhap? No fish, but I had some questions. She shakes her little wrinkled head. No answers have I, only fish. Very well, what do you have to offer exactly? Why fish, my silly child? Fish of all sorts and fish heads for those two short of jink for the whole ones. Teeny tiny fish heads, hee <laughs> hee. Uh, I have no need for fish or their heads for that matter. Farewell. Uh, ooh, there's another merchant. Hi, hive merchant. The dour old fellow appears to be selling various hand weapons. Ah, come out over then. Come to see my blades, have you? Yes, I have. Uh. <laughs> Rusty dagger, poor quality stiletto, knife, jagged knife, iron spike stiletto, poor quality mace, poor quality sledgehammer, antler axe, iron knuckles, fist iron, wooden club, hammer, battle axe, maul, high quality stiletto. Green steel knife, green steel dagger, battle axe of quality and high quality sledgehammer. 
that's all very interesting. However, uh, none of that appears to be stuff. Ah, we found it. Hive Merchant. This older merchant has a worldly look at him. His deep voice is gentle but confident. Ah, hello there. Are you ready to sample some of the most delectable treats from across the plains, my good man? First option. Mebeth, the midwife of the square, needs some herbs sprung from this seed here. Can you help me? Ooh, we got 500 experience just for asking. The man takes the seed, looks at it critically. As he presses it between his thumb and forefinger, he winces, and a small drop of blood appears in his thumb. Ah, the seed's got a bite on it. I noticed that. Do you have the herbs she's talking about? He can't seem to take his eye off the seed. Lad, I don't know if there's anyone who has what your friend seeks. To be square, I've never seen such a seed before. You would need someone who cultivates seeds such as this, for I have none. Uh, very well then. Where could I find such a person? Don't know the dark of that, friend. He hands the seed back to you. You'd be hard-pressed to find a gardener in the hive. I see. Can I see what else you have? All manner of delicacies. Uh, well, let's, I can ask about something's taste or I can purchase something. Oh, uh, nothing for me, actually. On second thought, nothing for me. Farewell. All right. So I think I vaguely recall seeing a, um, a cart with, um, like a gardening cart or something uh, in the area that had the right. smoldering, smoldering corpse. Let's see. Mourns for trees, yeah. You see a tired looking sorrowful old man who is gazing at the ash dead tree in front of him. He is mumbling to himself and tapping his chin as if trying to figure something out. Occasionally he shakes his head sadly. Greetings. Uh, he seems momentarily startled as you interrupt his train of thought. He speaks in a calm, unhurried tone, but one full of sadness. Oh, greetings to you too, friend. How's this day find you? Uh, it finds me well. He smiles, but sorrow still lies in his eyes. That's good, friend. Hope your good fortune continues. He seems about to turn back to the tree. And how's the day find you? He shrugs slightly and proffers a bit of a smile. Fortune finds me well, though I'm saddened just the same. Why is that? He pats the tree beside him. It's the trees here in the hive. They're dying, friend, and no one cares. Seeing the look on your face, he holds his hand up as if to silence you for a moment. It may not matter to some, but it's important to me. I feel it's a shame to see the last tatters of life and beauty in this ward left uncared for to die. Can you understand that, friend? Um... Let's see. I'm going to say... I have. I can say yes or no. Uh, yes, you're right. It's a sad thing. He seems surprised and blurts out, Really? Oh, I mean, wonderful. Perhaps you would... He pauses and seems suddenly suspicious. He recomposes himself, speaking in his usual slow manner. In any case, that's good. I suppose you have some questions for me now. Uh, yes, I er, had some questions. He nods, uh, awaiting your question. I need some herbs sprung from the seed. Can you help me? Mourns for trees, takes the seed from you and holds it up to his eye. What an odd seed. Are those teeth along the edge? Barbs, perhaps. Where did you come by it, old friend? Old Mebeth, the midwife of the square, needs some herbs sprung from that seed. Do you know where I could get some? No. Mourns for trees continues to stare at the seed in his hand. This is the only seed of this kind I've ever seen. I... Ah! He winces, and a spot of blood appears in his thumb. The barbs on it are sharp indeed. Perhaps you should hold it. So you can't help me either? Unless you can make that one grow, I cannot. Again, I've never seen a seed like it before, friend. Uh... Hmm... Is there any way to make it grow faster? Mourns for trees looks at the seed. Perhaps... If you cared enough to see it grow. Hmm, what do you mean? This is Sigil, friend. Belief is everything. Everything from the spire on which Sigil rests to even that tiny seed you hold there. If you believe enough, anything is possible. 
Focus on the seed and will it to grow. 500 experience grain. To your surprise, there's a crack and the seed splits. Twigs splitting from its surface like fingers. Instinctively, you drop the seed, but the town-like twigs wrap around your wrist and it will not let go. What the hell? Morns for trees. Stared at, stares at the barbed branches wrapped around your wrist, stunned. I think the barbs on those new branches would be more than enough for what your friend needs. I hope she can get this damn thing off me. Look, before I go, I had some questions. He nods, awaiting your question. Uh, I'm looking for a man named Farod. Sorry, friend. When I first came here, I spoke to many people, but I don't remember anyone by that name. Uh, all right, I had some other questions. Why are the trees dying? Just look at your surroundings, friend. Can you imagine anything having an easy life here? And besides the wretched conditions, the Dobbits rarely come to this part of Sigil. Uh, why is that? The hive's a dangerous place, but it's not it. The Davas have the lady watching over them, and no one's fool enough to tangle with her. I suppose it's really all on account of Fell. Who is Fell? Fell? He's, uh... Well, friend, let's just say he's the only Davas that doesn't serve the lady. I don't know the whole dark of it, as they say, but he's shunned by his fellows and lives here alone in the hive. He runs a tattoo parlor, but most of Sigil is wary of the place. Oh, tell me about this tattoo parlor. Fell's parlor is only a few buildings east of here. It is marked with his personal symbol, a white oval pierced by a lightning bolt. I've never been there myself, friend, but as I understand it, he's able to turn images from his speech. You know Dabba's speaking images, yes? Remus's? Yes, go on. He nods. So it's somehow able to turn images from his speech into tattoos. And not just ordinary inkings, either. I'm told there's magic about them, and more than just in their making. I don't know much else about it, though. Hmm. You don't have any idea how he came to be shunned? Like I said, friend, I'm not too sure. I've only heard vague rumors about him being on the wrong side of the issue when some powers decided to butt heads with the lady. You could always try and ask him, friend. I'm told he's friendly enough, if not a little odd. Some power? A deity? Friend? A god? Normally the lady has no problem with the likes of them, as she keeps their lot out of Sigil entirely. His name was Asokar, but I didn't know much else about the affair. His name was... The man nods gravely. As I understand it, the lady destroyed him. I wouldn't forget that if I were ever to consider messing about with her or my or her servants. Hmm. That's all I wish to know. Farewell. Oop. The, uh, the gangsters are trying to fight us. Gotta run around a little bit. I'm gone. Alright. So we run north, and then we're gonna run, um... West? Oh, this is taking forever just to try and turn into a mage. Done. So we're gonna go to Ragpicker Square. Now that we've got the seed growing all around our hand. Done. All right, now we're going to go in the midwife's hut. Boop, boop, boop. Let's talk to old Mebeth. Mebeth turns as you enter and gives you a skeptical eye. Your path brings you back here, does it, child? I've returned with the herbs you wanted. Now maybe you can get this damn bramble patch off my wrist. Is that so? Mebeth glances at the barbs that surround your wrist. If so, think it off, then. Updated Do my so. Journal. Creaking and snapping, the black barbed branches unravel themselves from your wrist and form into a tangled ball of brush and twigs. It looks like a nest of dead black snakes. Mebeth snorts. Think it into a picture frame or some such. Something with more structure and less angles. Concentrate on the barbed ball and then imagine it a picture frame. The branched ball creaks, the twigs bending and twisting until the branches have bent themselves into a small picture frame. Two hand spans on a side. Almost unconsciously, you imagine shape the barbs to the back of the frame so it can be hung from the wall easily. And as an afterthought, you move the remaining barbs to the inside of the frame so that it can be picked up by the edges. How's that? Mebeth stares at the frame for a moment and cackles. Ha! Square enough it is! Good work, child! Good work! 
he picks up the frame and scrutinizes it. This'll do nicely. Is that all you wanted it for? Aye, well, this is enough, she sniffs. Aye, but there was one thing I forgot to tell you to fetch when you left last time, and it'll take you back to the Merchant Square, Will. Look for the cloth seller, Giscoral. He has some rags of mine that he was supposed to wash, and long has it been since I first asked him to do it. You could have mentioned that before I left. Alright, I'll be back. Alright. So we gotta go... I'm gone. We gotta go off to the northwestern portion of the hive. Uh, I'm gone. And then we're going to the southwestern portion of the hive. I'm gone. And then we're going to go to the market. Let's see. Ah, oh, here's Giscoral. We talked to him before, remember? And Giscoral turns to you. I, Giscoral. He bows and spreads his trembling, scarred hands. Hi, Giscoral. I'm here to pick up someone's wash. Mebeth, the midwife. Ragpicker Square. Coral. Giscoral blinks. Washcloth? Yes. Mebeth. Ragpicker Square. Eh, rag? Picker? He taps his fingers as if counting something. I know, I remember. He holds up a trembling finger as if telling you to wait. Wait for him to fetch the wash. He comes back with a flattened mass of green rags, thin as paper, yet so stiff they look like they could double as wooden boards. The rags are so caked with a greenish lime starch they look like it would take years of soaking to relax them. Ugh, how many times did you clean these? Kiss coral washcloth, starch cloth every fifth day, washcloth, starch cloth every fifth day. His eyes flicker. Kiss coral wash many years, always starch cloth on fifth day, Kiss coral's friend. But they're ruined. Washcloth? Is Giscoral's ritual? His voice is flat, almost zombie-like. Must starch cloth every fifth day. What's the point of doing it every five days and they don't need... Oh, never mind. Just hand it over. Give cloth. He nods, then hands you the rags. They're heavy. It's like you're carrying an armload of bricks. I'll take them back to Mebeth now. Farewell. Alright. So we go north. Done. And then we go uh, northeast. And then I'm we gone. go into the hut. Do, do, do. We should take a drink while we're waiting for all this walking. Mebeth seems lost in twisting the black branched picture frame you made for her. She is squaring the edges and snapping off some of the barbed seeds on the branches. She suddenly notices you and sets down the frame. Aye, child? I brought your wash. I think Giscoral was a little heavy on the cleaning ritual, though. She takes the stacks of starch green rags from you and she examines them critically. At least they won't tear, she sighs, or bend. What was with that cloth merchant, Giscoral? His hands were all scarred, and he seemed slow. Nebeth was still turning the cloth over in her hands, tapping it with her finger. Well, child, sometimes one burns with the art, and other times the art burns ye. Is that what happened to him? Nebeth clicks her tongue. Mayhap. There's some for who using the art is like breathing. He strolls about with pointy hats and stinkweed pipes. Then there's hedge wizards and plain touch gypsies and fortune casters and half seers and midwives who flicker with the art. Them have a harder time of it. Uh, sorry about the slur there, folks. Uh, didn't, uh, I was just reading and I sort of didn't read ahead enough. So, uh, my apologies. And Giscoral was one of them? Mebeth nods. Aye, so to speak. In some ways, he's no different now than he was. Addicted to habit and ritual he was. She sets down the stiff rags. They're clunk. Uh, they clunk as she places them on the floor. I know. There's one last thing I need from you, child. It's better not involve me going back to the market, Mebeth. Oh? And if and it does, child? Mebeth draws herself up and she glares at you, even at full height. Her head barely crests your shoulders. Uh... 
Mebeth, it's a waste of time to keep traveling to the market for all these things, especially when you could have taken a moment and thought about everything you needed instead of sending me on the same errand three times. Mebeth puffs up, her face turning turnip red. Oh, I? Is that your feeling on the matter, is it? If so, then leave. I'll tell you, I won't be a-wasting my time trying to shine light in the mule head of yours. No, I'll do the errands. Is there anything else you need me to pick up while I'm there? Only this. I need some inks for scribbling some ingredients in one of me cookery books. I need you to fetch some from one of the merchants. Kosajai be her name. Very well. I'll see if I can find her. Updated my journal. I'm gone. All right. So we're going to Done. very dramatically go back to the merchant square. Wow, we're going to spend an entire episode just becoming a wizard. Right. Which is, you know, maybe fitting that you have to put in some effort to become a wizard. Done. Um... Let's see, I think Kosajai was near the cart. Let's see. Ah, yep, here she is. The old woman gives you a gummy smile. Some fish, my child? Fish heads? Maybe I said you sell ink. She sent me to make to purchase some. Ink? Nay, sir, I sell no ink. I sell just fish. Are you sure? Mebeth, the midwife in Ragpicker Square, mentioned you specifically. Ha! Well, Kosajai was me and Dam's name, and me Grandam's name, so could be any of us. Yep, they're both in the dead book, so only this Kosajai matters. No idea what she's on about, and midwife in the Picker Square, you say? She thinks for a moment. Don't know her. I don't. So you don't have any ink? Well, I can't say that's much of a surprise. I swear, Mammoth is having me run in circles. Um. Now, hold on. Your midwife friend's not all wrong. I know how you can get ink, but it may, may not be the ink you're looking for. The ink I'm thinking of bleeds from the gills of a brogtafin, it does. This brogtafin bleeds ink? She frowns. Aye, the thing is, the fish's not for eating. It's got a horrible taste. It spells the tongue. You can ask Miriam. She pitches her fish style down the street to Southernly Way. She cackles. She might have one of the fish she needs in her pole. I'll go see Grat. So we're looking for... What was it? Mir Mir Miram? There's a person named Iron Nails. I really want to talk to this Iron Nails person. This broad-shouldered woman is shuffling about amongst the huge beams lying on the street. She kicks at the beams with iron shod boots. Every once in a while, she bends down and wrenches a nail from one of the boards with her bare hands. She holds each one up, appraising it, then drops it into a leather sling bag. Greetings. She straightens up, hearing your approach. She smi she's smiling politely, but from her stance and the way her hand rests close on the hilt of her weapon, you can tell she's ready for trouble. You notice one of her eyes has a milky film over it. That's close enough there, Kata. What do you need from me? Uh, I had some questions. She nods. Ask away, then. Who are you? She pulls three nails from her sling bag, tossing them spinning into the air and catching them in her palm. Iron nails, they call me. She drops them back into the bag with a muffled clink. Why are you collecting the nails? I sell them to a man named Zahamri's in the lower ward, maker of coffins he is. Tell me more about this Hamri's. There's not much to say, he's a bit chatty. He'll rattle his bone box till you bar me if you let him, but a fair bargainer. He needs the nails, I needed the jink, and that's about as far as it goes. Wait, where's the lower ward? Eh, I used to know the way I did, but the Davis have changed the streets around again. Don't know how to get there now. I'll need a charge and a new path. But I figure the devils will straighten things out eventually. Does anyone else hear scavenge nails? She grins and shakes her head. No one was clever enough or had the will to do it before me. And I've shoved off anyone who tries to jump me claim since. She pats the long bladed dagger hanging at her side lovingly. Uh, your claim? Aye, that's what I call it. Honest labor's hard to come by in the hive. And I'm not about to let some sodden piker peel me of work. I've spent more than one Burke running and howling, holding their guts in, or off with the collectors if they were unlucky. Her did eye gleams maliciously. The hive knows this spot is iron nails, it does. Is that how your eye was ruined? Nail's face turns hard. None of your business, Burke. Why, would you like a matching wound for your collection? Uh, no, that particular one's not quite me. She laughs heartily. 
Aye, and I don't think you'll have much room for another scar besides... Heh, <laughs> I had some other questions. I'm looking for a man named Farod. She nods. I heard the name I have. Head of a pack of collectors, or so I hear. Not sure where a body would find him, though. You may want to try Ragpicker Square. It's north and west of here. A whole mess of collectors called Kip there. I'll look from there, then. Farewell. Alright, so we're looking for someone named, uh... Miriam! Here we go. This old woman stands silently by the wall, staring off into the distance. She seems to be unconcerned with the flow of traffic around her and clutches a wooden pole from which dozens of small fish are dangling. Greetings. Hello, sir! She squints at you for a moment, trying to discern your identity. Oh my! Here I was thinking ye one of me regular customers! She proffers her fish bowl. Tuna, sir? Mackerel? Sea cucumber? No fish, thanks. I had some questions. Hmm... Her mouth presses down into a tight-lipped frown. She stares off over your shoulder. Have you heard of a Brokta fin? I was told it bleeds ink from its gills. She blinks and nods. Aye, that fish! That fish is a strange one, it is. Not many have heard of it unless it want to eat it. Difficult to kill, and even in death, it still seems to live. Not many want to lodge their teeth on something that still writhes. Updated my Do you journal. have one? Aye, but the ink, you'll need something to carry it in. Have ye a bowl or a cup, perchance? Hmm, or a tankard. Maybe one of the merchants is selling one. Farewell. Oh my gosh, friends! Remember that there was that tankard and plate sales lady? Uh, the hive merchant. Uh, the woman smiles as you approach. Hello again, sir. And what would you like to purchase this day, hmm? What are you selling right now? Cups, plates, blah, blah, blah. I need something to hold ink in. Do you have a tankard or a goblet for sale? She nods. Oh, yes, many kinds. They range in price from a few coppers to several hundred. Actually, I'm looking for the cheapest one you have. She raises an eyebrow. She reaches a new crate at her side, then throws a battered-looking tankard to you. It's covered in dents, and its handle looks like it's about to fall off. Uh, this one looks like it used to be on someone's skull. She smiles slightly. It'll do. Thanks and farewell. Updated my journal. Well, that's cool. There's a hive thug, and they keep closing up, so we're just gonna fight a hive thug real fast. Oh. He got, he got injured enough to run away. Oh, here's another hive thug. You see that? That was pretty impressive. And one of them had a clot charm and one of them had a copper bracelet. All right, got them out of the way. Lo, sir, can I purchase some? She suddenly recognizes, oh, you have returned. Yes, I have some questions. Hmm? I brought a tankard. Can I get ink from the fish in it? She nods and plucks a fish from her pole. It twitches as she grabs it, then starts lashing about as she begins to twist it like a rag. She rings it until bluish-black ichor begins to trickle from the fish's gills. When your tankard is almost full, she relaxes her grip and throws the twitching fish into a sack at her side. Updated Thanks, my journal. and farewell. Um... So... That's cool. We got weird fish ink. Uh, ooh. All right. Let's go north. And then north again. I'm gone. Rag Pickers Square. Let's go inside the hut. Now let's talk to Mebeth. Mebeth is tugging at the mass of greenish lime starched rags you brought from Giscoral. She seems to be purposely fraying the edges, as if to peel them apart somehow. When she hears you approach, she turns. Aye, child? Here's the ink that you wanted. Mebeth takes the tankard of ink from you and sniffs it. Prime ink, fresh as it is, aye. She nods at you. You've done well, child. All I've asked. Now I ask ye again, after all you've seen, do you still want to learn the art? Yes, after all, the guiding goal of your errands was to test my persistence, was it not? Nebeth smiles, then nods. Yes, mayhap, child, mayhap. And that's not all. You knew who I had to see to accomplish each errand, didn't you? Nebeth nods again, slower this time. Mayhap, child, mayhap. If and so, what did your senses tell ye about them? 
Morns and trees showed me that my beliefs affect the world around me. Giscoral taught me that ritual is a wasted effort if the purpose of the ritual is ignored. Miriam taught me that no matter how much I think I know, there is still much I can learn from another's eyes. Mebeth is silent for a moment, and she walks very slowly over to you and touches you on the cheek. Oh, child, she sighs. Ye will be a master sorcerer one day, ye will. Ye have known of it, yet ye've come to old Mebeth for help, ye have. What could a midwife teach such a one? Much, Mebeth. I want to learn all you have to teach. So you'll walk the path, then? Mebeth pauses. Well, first things first. Just having the knack for the art isn't enough. You need some means of giving it focus. Usually, spells. The spells are usually in a book. So the art demands you have a spell book. Or it's like a four you can cast spells. Can you read? Yes. Then let's test it. Can you read this? Mebeth draws forth a small, tattered card. It looks like a recipe. Let's examine the recipe. The writing on the recipe swims before your eyes, each symbol twisting out of focus whenever you try and read it. Almost instinctively, you relax your eyes, allowing them to take in the page all at once, and the symbols suddenly bleed together. The recipe lists measurements, ingredients. It appears to be some minor divination. This is a minor divination, isn't it? It looks like it's a spell that allows the user to see the nature of an item, to see whether it's enchanted or not. Mebeth's eyes widens. Who are ye to test old Mebeth so? Are ye some fiend? Uh, what's Updated wrong? Updated my journal. Well, not expecting it, was I? She nods at the recipe, then plucks it out of your hand. What ye see, it's written in the language of the art. If you're not a mageling yet, it should be a sprawl and jumble and mishmash. She snaps her fingers. Yet, clear as crystal, you pluck the sense of it right up. Mayhap you tell Mebeth why that is. I don't really know. I just knew what it said. Or else a natural gift you may have. No matter, no matter. You've just saved some seasons off your learning you have. Mebeth harumps. And I'd been looking for someone to handle the chores around here I had. Maybe it's just as well. Oh, wait. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be nicer. If you need help with anything around here, you can still ask. It's the least I can do in exchange for you teaching me. No, no, don't worry yourself about that, she frowns. Well, you can read spells well enough, but spells are no good, ye, without a book to put them in. But do you have one? Mebeth glances around the hut. And she catches sight of the black barbed picture frame you made. She picks it up carefully and studies it. This'll do. That thing, it's just a frame. Aye, but so are ye, child. She holds the frame. She picks up one of the starched rags you got from Giscoral. With a yank, she pulls off the greenish starched surface film. It flutters in the air like a wispy bit of cloth. Whatever Giscoral uses in the wash, it works better than curing, stretching, and stoning does in a normal rag. Can't afford parchment, I can't. The parchment? She takes the starchy film and pulls it over the black barbed frame, latching the rag's edges onto the hooks around the frame until it looks like a small, greenish-black painter's canvas. It's missing something. Well, it needs something painted on it. She nods. I or written on it? She takes the tankard of ink you've given her and sets it down next to her. She dips one of the fingernails into the tankard, then draws it out, mumbling to herself. She begins to scratch symbols into the frame, one by one, still mumbling to herself. We wait. All's done. Eva stands, drying her ink-stained fingernails on her robe. She tilts her head, regarding the strange framed page in front of her. A page for your spellbook it is. She indicates you should pick it up. So we take it. Inside your spellbook are your recipes, your spells, if you will. As long as they sit in the book, though, they're jit words. She taps her head. The art demands ye pluck the magic out of the book and put them into your attic, your head, before ye can tap their power. Go on. You put them in your attic by studying them, memorizing them. You usually need to rest first before you can do this, though. Any questions? I think I understand the... Oh, wait. No, Mebeth. Oh, no questions, eh? Well, now, you should have some questions. You knows all about how to memorize spells, do ye? You're a sharp one. 
You sure don't need any more of Mammoth's words? I'll have gobbling up your precious time. You're a master sorcerer already. Forgive me, Mammoth. I meant no questions on what you'd said. Please explain how to memorize spells. Huff! All right, then. Here's the dark of how you memorize the spells. Pick the spells you want to stick in your head from your spellbook, and afore you goes to sleep, when you wake in the morning, they'll be buzzing in your head like flies, ready to be let out. How many spells can I cast? You can cast only one, mayhap two spells, before needing to rest again. As a tiny flitting mageling, there isn't much room in your attic, so use your spells wisely until you get wiser in the art. As your power increases, you'll get more room in your attic for spells. Alright, go on. You can only cast spells you've memorized, so if you want to use the art to say, mend something twice, you'll need to memorize the spell how many times? Twice. Aye, twice, right enough. How can Updated I get more journal. spells? Never shrugs. Keep your eyes and ears out for learning. Even common folks might have some minor magics to teach. There's also scrolls, recipes, books, and even some stranger items that have spells inscribed on them. If you find one, just examine it close and copy it into your book if you want. Got it. I can also show you more spells if you return, especially when you have a little more of the planes in ye. I'd appreciate it, thanks. Afore you go, child, you'll need some magics for ye to whet your appetite. Nebeth rubbages in her robe, then pulls forth three small recipes, which she passes to you. You should copy these into your book, so they can go into your attic as soon as possible. Updated my journal. Thanks, Nebeth. Well, we got 5,000 experience for that one. Wait, there's more. Mammoth fishes a tiny bundle of black cloth from her apron and unrolls it, producing a pair of amber earrings. These will protect you in your travels, child. I no longer wear them myself, so go ahead and take them. Thanks again. Alright, child, don't tarry here any longer. One such as he has other ways to spend one's time than hang around old Mammoth. Now come on, Mammoth, you're not old. Pah, you flatterer. Your tongue is so lined with silver and shame and bakesu. Get ye hence. Thanks for everything, Mammoth. You can thank me by not playing the alcove when you've learned. The art's damned many a fool who thought to bend it in ways the art weren't meant to bend. I'll get along with you. Farewell. Alright, so All right. if we go to the status screen. Uh it says mage level 5, 27,000 out of 40,000. So we're not gonna get to mage level 6 anytime soon. Uh if we go to our inventory. We have Chromatic Orb, Blood Bridge, and Identify. Um, we're going to pass these over to Dakon, because I don't... We're going to do some mage stuff, but then we're not going to be uh, mage for very long. So we're going to uh, have Dakon... We're going to have Dakon copy the Strength spell. And then have him learn Chromatic Orb. And Ice Knife. And Blood Bridge. I've never heard of this one before. Allows you to copy uh, this touted card as the recipe for the ingredients and the incantations necessary for the necromantic spell Blood Bridge. This allows the caster to share a portion of his life with others, weakening himself but strengthening others. Doesn't sound like something Dakon would want to do, but we'll have him learn Blood Bridge just so that he can do all the spells and the identify spell Chromatic Orb. Uh, so we had a scroll of Chromatic Orb, so Dakon knows that. We'll pass that back and have Nameless learn Chromatic Orb. Uh, let's check these, out these earrings. Amber Earrings Special. Plus two to armor class. Memorize two additional first level mage spells. Usable only by mages. Usable only by Nameless One. So, once we switch back uh, once, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to, um, oh, we could put on the Magus Guard as well, for as long as we're a mage, we can, uh, and that would make our AC six, yeah, and then we could put on the earrings, and our AC would go down to four, so, as a mage, our AC is six points better than as a fighter. Sort of as a quirk of how the uh, all right of how the um which call it 
the just the items that we have. All right, we're gonna go outside the house. Let's have a look. Uh, the bone charm we're gonna keep around because that's that's a key to get out of the mortuary if we ever go back in. Uh, the dustman's request. That's some sort of note questy thing. We don't care about that. We're gonna drop that finally. Uh, these rune thingies seem. Are they spells? They are spells. Okay, so we're gonna have Dakon copy these spells down. Uh, so lesser warding Dakon already knew. Let's put it in Nameless's spellbook as well. Uh, pen's note. Drop that. Some rags. Receiving log page. Drop that. Mortuary task list. Drop that. Uh, we have rags and cleaning rags. Uh, whatever. Mortuary sanctum key. We have a skull. We have some junk. Alright. That seems fine in terms of stuff. Oh, we have 1,200 gold, and I seem to recall that there was a... Um... We could buy our eye back from a bartender for 500 gold. But 